0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Every Believer Podcast. My name is Greg Gervais. I'm a senior pastor residing in Houston, Texas. We equip every believer to hear from God, to walk in His power, and to display the love of Jesus everywhere they go and inside the church as well. Join us as we journey to receive from many gifted voices that are powerful in this hour to equip you, to send you, and to awaken you to the glory of God to this world can see the Jesus that it was always meant to see. Join us as every believer becomes the army of God to turn things around all over the world. We'll see you soon. Hey guys, I can't wait for today's interview with David Diga Hernandez. We're talking about being baptized with fire, where every believer can hear from God and move in His power. Join me today, hope you like and share this, subscribe to our podcast and share it so that the whole body can be equipped to move with God with fire. We're so elated today. We have a special guest to join us today, David Diga Hernandez, who's a powerful man of God, just a evangelist who just travels and they see signs and wonders and miracles and the presence of God. And I believe his heart is more for Jesus than most uh, we've seen. And so we're just delighted to have you. David, welcome to the stream tonight.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you. Awesome. We've been getting so many comments, people
0: just looking forward to this to be saying, just wondering how you are, who you are, and then how can we really apply uh, what we're seeing? And we understand it's a personal relationship, but again, I appreciate you joining us. And maybe to start us off, David, you could just give us a little snapshot of your history, who you are, and then we'll break off into see what Jesus does.
1: Well, sure. And again, I just want to reiterate, I appreciate you and thank you for inviting me on to your broadcast. I'm thankful that you thought of us. For those of you who don't know who I am, I'm a Jesus lover. I love the Holy Spirit. I love the scripture. I pursue the Lord with all my heart, and I want to help others draw closer to the Holy Spirit. But my spiritual journey began when I was 11 years old, and at 11 years old, I had already been battling with severe depression and anxiety for quite a while. And we understand that there are different factors involved with these sorts of battles, but I truly believe that there were major spiritual elements involved in the attacks against my mind. And so this terrible struggle actually brought me to a breaking point, believe it or not, at the young age of 11 where I committed in my heart that I needed Jesus. I just knew that I knew that I knew that Jesus could help me. Now, I am a fourth-generation Christian, third-generation preacher, so my dad is a pastor, and he led me to the Lord when I was 11 years old, and the moment I received Jesus as Lord, the darkness was pushed out of my life. The moment that the power of the Holy Spirit came on me, I sensed this great strengthening, this grace, this, this fresh life. I mean, it was truly new life. I was born again and from that moment on i began to seek jesus with all my heart i said i want to know you i want to know everything about you i want to understand your ways i want to understand your nature i want to hear your voice so clearly that if you whisper in the spirit i could pick up on that i want it to know jesus so for 2 years i began this journey of praying every single day and this is not me saying this to brag upon my accomplishments because i could not have done it without the grace of the holy spirit But for two years, every single day, four to eight hours a day, I was spending time with Jesus in prayer, reading the Word. I would read 20, 30, 40 chapters of Scripture a day, and it was just this really beautiful season of growth. It was the beginning stages of the building of a foundation. It wasn't the completion of a foundation by any means, but it was the beginning of the building of a foundation that God would later use to build this ministry and different things that I now experience with Him. But that's really where it began with me, just a radical encounter with Jesus. He walked into my life, transformed everything, and I've never been the same. That is amazing.
0: You know, I think today as we're really, you know, purging forward, you know, walking straight and trying to really equip the body of Christ, we're just seeing how important it is to have Holy Spirit, to really work with God. So maybe you could just introduce us a little bit, I know a lot of people have a cliche terminology of the holy spirit have good theory or theology but maybe you could introduce us to the holy spirit that you found that you got to know and that you actually really visibly tangibly even as i watch you in your videos i can sense the lord in your meetings uh work with
1: well it's important to understand and by the way I had to have a certain mindset in me broken, too. Remember, I mentioned I was a fourth-generation Christian, third-generation preacher. So I had actually begun to imagine that the Holy Spirit was like a mist in the air that hovered above the praise and worship, or perhaps just the emotion that we felt whenever we were singing a song or hearing a powerful sermon. But I had to come to terms with the reality that the Holy Spirit is not a force and He's not a feeling. He's a friend. And it was this transformative view of who he was that really became the push for ministry in my life, the push for everything. I mean, friendship with the Holy Spirit transforms everything. He is, let's establish this first of all, is God. The Holy Spirit is God. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All three of them distinct from one another, distinct persons, and each one equally divine, as we see revealed in Scripture. So the Holy Spirit is God with us, God in us. Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. He dwells in you. Now, we see in the book of Ephesians and in the book of Romans that it's quite clear that the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in you the moment that you are born again. You cannot be born again without the Holy Spirit. And if you have the Holy Spirit, it means that you're born again. So it's not as though we have to get this secondary experience where we receive the Holy Spirit. We'll talk more about what we call the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And by the way, the baptism with the Holy Spirit takes place at salvation, but it's also an ongoing experience, as I'm sure we'll explore later. But this person who comes into your life brings vibrancy. Now, I'm going to say something, but I want you to understand what I'm saying. So I'm going to say it, and then I'm going to explain it. The Holy Spirit makes Jesus real. Now, you might be saying, well, Jesus is already real. Jesus is real all on his own, to which I would say, amen, I agree. But by that phrase, I simply mean that the Holy Spirit is the one who makes Jesus real to you. The Holy Spirit is the one who causes you to see into the realms of the Spirit with clarity. The Holy Spirit helps you to live holy, evangelize boldly, love sincerely, worship passionately, pray consistently, understand the word clearly. The Holy Spirit is the key to the empowered Christian life. The Holy Spirit is the key to everything and anything that you will do for God. The Holy Spirit is the key to receiving and becoming all that God desires. The Holy Spirit is that breath, that life behind your spiritual life. He brings vibrancy and joy and peace and love overflowing. He is like an electricity that comes upon you with power. He is that, that life giver. He is that one who speaks to you in moments where you are discouraged He comforts you when you're at your low points. He rejoices with you when you have something to celebrate. The Holy Spirit is the one who will utterly transform your life. And if you are a believer who says, well, I don't know how to walk in power. I don't know how to do ministry. I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to read the word. I don't know about overcoming this habitual sin. I'm telling you, it comes back to one thing. And that is that friendship with the Holy Spirit. You get that one thing and you get it all.
0: Wow. Well, that's so good. You know, I find there's people, and you seem like a well-versed person in the word. I've watched you, you know the word uh, as much as anyone else. But I kind of find a lot of ministers, it's like, they don't say this, but it's almost like God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Scriptures. Yeah. (laughs) So, like, how can you break down, I guess, the intrinsic, it's not a complication, but the relationship between knowing the word, but still being reliant upon the Holy Spirit, like so many people say we kind of don't need to do.
1: Well, I think that many people understand what sufficiency of scripture actually means. Now, 2 Timothy 3.16 makes it clear that the scripture was inspired by the Holy Spirit. That's what God breathed means. Spirit means breath or wind, and those three words are interchangeable in both the Greek and the Hebrew. So I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit is just a wind or just a breath, but when the scripture talks about the verse, uh, the verses being God breathed, it's actually giving indication that they came from the Spirit. They were inspired by the Holy Ghost Himself. Now, what you'll hear a lot of people saying whenever you talk about the Holy Spirit speaking to you, or the Holy Spirit's presence in your life, or the Holy Spirit guiding you for everyday living, people will often say, out of cynicism and sometimes sincerity, they'll ask you this seemingly rhetorical question: Is the Word of God not sufficient? Does the Word of God not tell you everything that you need to know? And it seems like somewhat of a trap, because if you say, yes, the Scriptures are sufficient, they'll say, well, then what do you need the Holy Spirit to speak to you directly for? And if you say, no, the Scriptures aren't sufficient, they say, aha, so you don't really rely on the Scripture, you rely upon your own emotions and your mind. But this is a a false dichotomy. It's not really one or the other, simply because it is the sufficiency of the Scripture. It's their completion that has actually put us in right relationship with God. We're the ones who believe in the sufficiency of Scripture in that they were sufficient enough to connect you with the Lord himself. And if the Scriptures are insufficient, then you haven't heard from Him. Also, such thinking fails to take into account those specific instructions that we need for everyday living. Who you should marry, what job you should have, what city you should live in, what you should choose in treatment if you're going through some type of sickness or illness where the doctors are giving you options. The Holy Spirit can speak very specifically to you for those things for which there are no chapters and verses. And so it's a mistake to say that the scripture is sufficient and therefore the Holy Spirit doesn't speak. They're not contradictory to one another. The word is not fighting the spirit. The spirit is not fighting the word. Now that's on the theological front. That's on the the intellectual extreme. But on the over-spiritualized extreme, we have our own version of this. It's just reversed to where we say things like, well... The service was so powerful, they didn't even preach a sermon, they just started praying and prophesying. And I'm thinking, well, are you of the impression that the Word of God is somehow in conflict with the working of the Holy Spirit because the two actually work together? It's the Word and the Spirit that work one in the same. It's the Word and the Spirit that give you power. Some, on one extreme, will will despise emotion. If you cry during worship, if you shake while getting set free, if you jump up and down in elation because you're praising God, they'll say, well, that's too much emotion, you need to be more level-headed. And those who lean on the other extreme will look at those who have knowledge and say, well, that's all head knowledge, that's all thought, that's all intellect. You need to throw that aside. But those who are truly led by the Spirit understand the balance of word and spirit. They understand that God has given us both emotion and a rational mind. I mean, think about the fact that Paul reasoned with those who did not believe the gospel. And think also about the fact that anyone who ever had an encounter with God in the Scripture responded physically and emotionally to that glorious encounter that they had. And so we see in the Scripture room for both, word and spirit, and experiencing God in both emotion and in the intellect. Revelation is knowledge set on fire— and every encounter that you have with God will shake every aspect of your being. If God created it, he created it with purpose. Every aspect of your being responds so, to God. That is so
0: impressive. I just love how you really uh, mended those two together, but still brought complete clarity. Thank you. Uh, that's really powerful. It answers so many questions we get on how to do this, and so many people are veered off. So how would you say Everyone always says this one thing is the evidence of someone being filled with the Spirit. So how does someone know they're actually filled with the Spirit, or we could say baptized in the Spirit? I don't know, you said we get into that, but maybe you could break that up just a little bit for us.
1: Well, I'm a different, I may be different from many of those who probably would be counted in the same category as me, but I don't teach that speaking in tongues is the evidence of having been filled with the Holy Spirit. Speaking in tongues, I believe, is for every believer, which we can talk about if you want. Speaking in tongues is a powerful gift that we shouldn't neglect. Speaking in tongues has many benefits. Speaking in tongues is for today. But speaking in tongues is not the primary evidence of the infilling of the Holy Spirit. I've known of many believers who would pray in tongues on Sunday and then go cuss out their wives on Monday. And they would use that same tongue to go and abuse people and to lie and to gossip. And that wasn't an example of being filled with the Holy Spirit. So I like to say that though speaking in tongues is one of the manifestations of having received the baptism with the Holy Spirit, or having surrendered fully to that baptism, that in fact it is not the primary indication that you've received Christ. The primary proof that you are filled with the Holy Spirit is that you have the character of Christ in you. It's the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5. It's the nine fruits of the Spirit. These are the key indicators that we have the Holy Spirit. Now, Having said that, I don't just dismiss this idea of speaking in tongues. In fact, it's one of the things I teach primarily on. I teach a lot on the gift of speaking in tongues. It's one of the messages that probably got the most traction out of any of the ones that I've ever taught. So I'm very passionate about the gift of speaking in tongues. I'm very passionate about believers receiving this gift, and I'm very passionate and no one can convince me otherwise, the gift is for every believer. You study the scripture, you can't get away from this fact. The, this, the verse that most people will use to try to negate that reality is 1 Corinthians 12, but that's talking about the public expressions of gift, gifts used in a church setting, not your personal prayer language. So I believe in the gift of tongues, and that is one of the manifestations of something that happens when you surrender more to the Holy Spirit. So yes, the gift of speaking in tongues is one of them, uh, but the primary, I would say, is the fruit of the Spirit.
0: That's so powerful. That's good. We run into the same thing. There's a lot of people who can speak in tongues, but I even, if you read the scriptures, it says you should receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. But we're always trying to just look for tongues. So I always see that there's always this force for tongues. And there's a whole, just like you said, there's a lot of people who have tongues, but they don't have the the power of a changed life or even the ability like in the first part to be bold with our witness. So that's really powerful. What is one of the ways, and you already said it a little bit, but what's one of the biggest ways you believe that someone can cultivate a relationship with the Holy Spirit? Now that we're talking about being filled, I believe there's sometimes, there's areas we can be not unfilled, but kind of like that grieve the Holy Spirit. But what are some areas and how can we actually get to the place where we can have a regular relationship with the Holy
1: Spirit? Well, there are several different factors. I mean one of them being faith. I mean, and I say that and people will say, well, amen, I agree with you, but I don't think we really ever realize what that actually means because sometimes we approach God as if he's just barely putting up with us, as if he's on his last leg of patience, as if we're hanging by a thread. And we imagine that God is folding his arms, glaring down at us, almost in this unwelcome, unwelcoming posture, just kind of like, well, look who's back again, or where have you been all this time? Or I saw what you did. And so when we approach God many times, we approach the Holy Spirit, we we act as though we have to work for this connection. And this is one of the things that I think keep believers from developing a really strong connection with the Holy Spirit is, and when I say developing a strong connection, I actually mean developing a stronger awareness with that connection. Because the reality is you are connected with the Holy Spirit if you are a believer, if you've received Christ as your Savior, that connection has already taken place. You are one with the Holy Spirit. And when you understand this oneness, this surrender, this this faith and belief in that connection, this confidence in him holding on to you, it is life-transforming. Because many Christians approach God from a transactional point of view. Now, I say this because I myself approached God at one point from a transactional point of view. I believed that my relationship with God was like climbing a ladder. And every mistake I made brought me three steps down that ladder. Every time I did something good or I read my Bible or I prayed, that I went closer up that ladder and closer to God. And I thought that's how it worked. And so because of that, I had a very legalistic approach to serving the Lord. And many times we don't even know what religious means. That's religion. Religion is attempting to do in your own strength what only God can do. Religion is that points-based system. Religion is keeping that list. Religion is thinking that God is keeping you on this rating system by your behavior. Now, we ought to live holy. I'm not saying otherwise, and please don't hear what I'm not saying. We ought to pursue the Lord. We ought to live righteously. We ought to get rid of all compromise in all forms for all time from our lives. But if you approach God in prayer to connect with Him— Well, now you're just making it more difficult on yourself because if you don't feel him, you're going to think you're not connected. If you don't hear from him immediately, you're going to think you're not connected. If you don't have some encounter or experience right when you hit your knees on that floor, you're going to think that you're not connected. And it's precisely this distraction that causes you to be filled with doubt when you should have faith. So here's how you ought to approach him. Even after you've done wrong, say, okay, I know I've done wrong. I know I'm not perfect. But the Holy Spirit, here's what a wonderful friend he is, is not going to abandon me. He's going to live in me and he's going to help me to overcome this sin. I mean, think about it. What sense would it make for God to remove from you your only power at living holy as a punishment for you not living holy? That just doesn't make any sense at all. So the Holy Spirit abides. He remains faithfully. Yes, he's grieved. Ephesians 430 makes that quite clear that you can grieve him by the way you live your life. But if you will simply surrender to him, he will help you to overcome that. So when you come before the Lord, you realize, I'm not praying to connect with him. I don't have to work for that connection. I don't have to make up for the lost days of prayer. I don't have to make up for not having worshipped to that song when it was playing in my car. I don't have to make up for skipping a chapter of the Bible, though you shouldn't do any of those things. You should pray daily, you should worship all the time, and you should read the Bible consistently. So again, don't hear what I'm not saying. But when you realize that his grace makes up for those mistakes and that you can approach him and say, Lord, I want to do better. Lord, I want to connect with you. He says you already are. And it's that faith in that connection. It's knowing that the Holy Spirit abides with me continually that actually produces that kind of friendship because it's when you imagine that he's a million miles away that you refuse to talk to him. It's when you think that he's holding your sin over your head, that you have too much shame to even look at him. It's when you feel like a failure and a fake and a hypocrite that's irredeemable that you won't go to pray, you won't go to church, you won't read the word because something in the back of your mind is telling you, I've tried so many times, what's the point? But once you realize, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, the Holy Spirit lives in me. The righteousness of God has been gifted to me. When I believed, I became a new creation. I am connected with God. I am one with him. I am the righteousness of Christ. I am seated in heavenly places. I do stand in that justification. He is sanctifying me daily. It's when you understand that that connection has already been formed that you begin to actually experience the reality that is the beauty of that friendship with the Holy Spirit.
0: Come on, that is so powerful. I've never heard anyone say it like you just said. It was so supernatural. Thank you. We're, you know, we are doing a lot of uh, training and certain things with people who are starting kind of house churches and Mm -hmm. other pastors who have their own ministries. We are, they're called expressions for us, but we do trainings. What is, I always see you and it's, when you're leading a service, it's almost like you're holding on to the presence of Jesus, the presence of the Holy spirit. I'm not saying like he's a newborn baby, but you're so sensitive. Hmm. So what do you think is one of the, you know, this isn't just for leaders. This could be for believers in their lives, but what is your attitude in a service or in ministry, we're going to say, when it comes to the Holy Spirit in a service and how do you progress
1: as you're- You know, Greg, no one's ever asked me that. What? So that, that was, that's the first time I've ever been asked specifically that kind of a question. Now- When it comes to those services, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and how you see it flowing in those services, like we've received, we, we were talking before we went live, some of the things that have been happening in the services. Literally, people report in these services, they feel like the gravity gets heavier. It's just like this weight that comes down. I can't explain it. So let me say this first. The Holy Spirit does not need an atmosphere to move. He needs, we need an atmosphere, I should say. The Holy Spirit does not need an atmosphere to move. We need the atmosphere to receive in folks because people don't realize what God is doing. Think about the fact that many touched Jesus, but only one received their healing. When Jesus turned around and said, who touched me? His disciples said, Lord, everyone's touching you. He said, no, someone touched me in faith. And so that awareness of his presence is that faith. And so in those services, first of all, before I get to the service, I'm praying, I'm studying, and then I relax. I literally will just rest. Rest my mind. I don't want to get all wrapped up in my emotions. I don't want to get all technical in my head. I just want to release both of those things and just begin to think about Jesus. And when I'm standing on that platform, Mm -hmm. I realize it's not my strength that's going to deliver these people. It's not my strength that's going to heal these people. It's not my spiritual status. It's not my experience. It's not my know how. I don't know how. There is no man or woman on earth, I don't care how anointed who knows the way into the presence of God. Only the Holy Spirit knows that. And that's why we have to surrender and grab hold of him, and he leads us in. It's like a river. It's like an eagle surrendering its wings to the wind. It's just this moment where you just know that you know that you know that the Holy Spirit is moving. And I'm going to read something, actually, that I wrote down. I'll read it to you in a moment. It kind of describes what I'm explaining here. And so in those moments, I'm telling myself, forget about the people— Forget about the live stream. Forget about the people standing on the stage doing worship. And in those moments, you'll see I just kind of get lost. And there's even moments where I'll not say anything. The worship just keeps going, and I'm just standing there. And that's because in that moment, I'm focusing my mind on Jesus. And I'm tapping into that mantle that the Lord placed up my life. I'm tapping into that place in the spirit where miracles begin to happen. And then once I sense it, I can't explain it otherwise, then you just know that you know. Suddenly, miracles start breaking out in that service. Not because of me. Please, let me say this a thousand times if I have to. Wow. It has nothing to do with me. Yeah, Absolutely nothing. I literally stand out of the way. I become a nothingness through which God can enter. And in that room, there the people you'll hear it, manifestations all over the room. And then they're delivered. Healing starting to take place. People rejoicing all over the room. You'll see crutches, canes, sometimes wheelchairs. People start lining up on the side to testify of their healing. People even start getting healed before the service even starts because they're tapping into that by their own faith. So it's really oneness in those moments. And so, you know, it used to be I would lay hands on everyone and there's nothing wrong with doing it. I still lay hands on the sick today. But I found that in those moments, I don't have to lay hands. There's just this wave that goes out and people get healed. There's just this wave that goes out. People get delivered. A wave that goes out, people have encounters with God. So here's what I wrote concerning that oneness. I think your viewers might appreciate this. Oneness, as I am describing it here, is that flow of the spirit that is so natural that you don't even know you're flowing. It's obedience inspired from such depth. I can sense the anointing real strong right now. It's obedience inspired from such depth that you're not even aware that you're obeying. In moments like those, there is no gap of time Between when the Spirit speaks and you respond, it just is. Move your hand, shift your eyes, tilt your head. It's so very natural. There is no thought given, no mechanics to be forced. It's just like that. When you realize oneness with the Spirit, it's as though you're a member of a great body, and the Spirit is the mind that controls even the most subtle of movements. Your movement becomes His movement. Your intent dissolves in God's will. Your presence and his presence become indistinguishable from one another. Indeed, you are joined to the Lord, and in that union, you find the beginning of true fellowship.
0: Wow, that is supernatural. I actually feel like the impartation of the Lord <laughs> as you're reading that. I, I,
1: I'm telling you, great! I can sense him here with us right now.
0: Wow, that is so supernatural. I believe that's exactly. It's like you said, it's not a formula. It's a deep respect to move yourself out of the way. Would you mind just, you know, if you don't mind just kind of praying. I just sense the Lord a little right now, just to kind of pray for I, I believe it's possible for every person, like you said, to really have a relationship like this with Jesus. And would you mind just kind of praying into that real quick, and then maybe we'll highlight a couple individuals right after that for you to pray for?
1: Sure. And let me just mention this. The baptism with the Holy Spirit is simply that, that release of the Holy Spirit in your life. Now, why do I say that? Because the infilling of the Holy Spirit takes place at salvation. You receive him then and there. But the baptism with the Holy Spirit is both a one-time encounter and a continual experience. It's a moment and a lifestyle. Hmm. And so it's a well and it's a river. So when I talk about baptism with the Holy Spirit, I'm not saying you're receiving more of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit receiving more of you. It's in surrender that you begin to use or make use of that reality of the power and the presence that's already in your life. So it's not getting something from heaven. It's a flood from within. And I don't want to confuse anyone when I say that. This is, of course, after salvation, that flood from within the Holy Spirit gaining that influence from the inside out. You want that. You just have to surrender. And that causes the manifestation of the gift of speaking in tongues. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for those receiving this now. And I ask you, Lord, to begin to let your presence be made known unto them. Precious Holy Spirit, I thank you. Power is resting upon your people. Thank you, friend and comforter, that you are nearer than any one of us could ever possibly imagine. He's looking at you right now, church. He's in the room with you. He's listening to you. you, Father, let your power be made manifest. Let them sense the warmth of your love, I pray. Let them know the depths of your glory. Draw them by your spirit into that perfect union with the Son of God. Yes, Let that healing virtue flow. Let that delivering power flow in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord.
2: Thank you, Lord Jesus. Yes, God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Yes, Lord. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Thank you. thank you Jesus Thank you God Thank you God Thank You Lord Jesus Thank You Lord Jesus Thank You Lord Jesus Thank you Lord Thank you, God Thank you Lord Jesus Thank You Lord Jesus Thank You God
1: Thank you Lord Jesus Yes, God. Greg, if I may. Please. God is setting someone free from severe anxiety and depression right now. Yes, God. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord. Yes. Lord. You're feeling like a, a warmth come over you. That's oh, the presence of Almighty God. It's the same Holy Spirit yes, who rested upon Paul and Peter and Christ himself. Yes, God. He's on you now. It's that same ancient power that hovered above the face of the deep. Yes, God. Healing is flowing. I thank you, Lord.
2: Yes,
1: God. Healing virtue is flowing.
2: Yes, God.
1: Somebody's skin has just been healed. A skin disorder. I thank you, Jesus. Yes, God. Someone else's severe ear infection, has just been healed. Thank you, Lord. Yes. I give you the honor
0: you are just this is just so uh, powerful i just feel the presence of god pastor david i just really feel the the heart of god i haven't actually met someone who's so sensitive to the holy spirit as you're praying i can just see your desire is there anything else before we close that you felt to say or
1: would I, I sense a release i don't you know like you said i want to make sure we're sensitive but i sense a release i don't I'm trying to make sure i'm hearing and listening but but as of right now i sense a release from the lord in in terms of praying specific words of knowledge awesome well praise god
0: well thank you so much for joining us we just so grateful you joined us that's we just wanted to really give people a window into the heart that you have for the holy spirit and just some of the revelation really and we just are so grateful for who you are to the body of christ Uh, pastor david just extremely grateful for you to join us tonight and you know guys thank you that's all we're going to say so
1: well thank you for having me on i appreciate you thinking of me and inviting me it's an honor for me to be invited on it's an honor to serve god's people and i don't take it lightly and i just want to say you know this as well as i do greg but i have to say it because i honor the lord but all glory belongs to jesus Amen. all honor belongs to him all praise all adoration Amen. unto him alone we give these things And I'm just thankful to be his servant.
0: Amen. Well, guys, you can go to davidhernandezministries.com. Please go there. And he has books. I believe at least one book I saw there and a few other different ways you can grow. Carriers of the Glory. uh, Just It's already on the screen. 25 Truths. This is so awesome. Such an arrangement of Revelation Library. You know the source. A lot of everyone has been asking about this man. And so we've just had a small piece of what God's done in his life and through him. Please go over to his website, support him, donate, and just bless and sow to where we want to grow. Thank you again, Pastor David. Guys, like and share this, please. We want to really empower the body of Christ and let us all advance together. Amen. Thank you guys for joining us tonight.